Hey, thanks for checking out Laid Off, the Blair Thomas podcast. Every link to subscribe is on the website. It's BlairThomasMedia.com or just say, hey, Alexa, play the Blair Thomas podcast and you're good to go. This is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Her name is Becca Evans, a.k.a. The Giraffe. Great nickname. She's a local MMA fighter and I wanted to have her on before she's too famous to talk to me, basically. Coming up, we're going to talk about how she got that nickname. How often guys think they can beat her in the octagon? What's on her pre-fight playlist so she can get in the zone to pummel some faces in and a whole lot more too. Becca Evans, the giraffe. Here we go. I've done a lot of interviews in my life, but this is the first one where I'm interviewing someone who could probably snap me in half and break every bone in my body. And it's a little terrifying, but... I'm okay with that. Her name is Becca Evans, a.k.a. The Giraffe. What's up, Becca? Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. So you are an MMA fighter and you've been local to our area. Um, We'll get into your bio in a little bit. But before we get to that, I want to let you know, um, at the station I used to work at, we became fans of yours because we knew you were local and we were like, holy crap, like. This girl really kicks some butt. She's kind of awesome, and she's a fan of ours. We became fans of yours, so I feel like this is one of the the interviews where I'm like, dang, I actually get to put a face to the the name and the voice and all of that. So um, can you give a little bit of background on where you're from, what you do, fighting style, all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm technically still a Pennsylvania resident. Um, I grew up just over the line in the New London area, so smack dab between uh, Kennett Square and Oxford. Um, so I fight out of Delaware Dragon Martial Arts in Newark. Um, I came over here after, I think it was my sophomore year of college. My friend came up, uh, from school down South and we're like, we just want to do something fun this summer. We both were runners. We did, you know, track and cross country in high school and disclaimer, like I was not nothing more than an average athlete, you know, in, in high school or anything like that. I made barely made varsity cross country. Um, I was always in that number seven spot fighting for my, for that spot. Um, we decided just, we wanted to do something different. So she was actually the one that found Delaware Dragon Martial Arts. We called, showed up for a kickboxing class. I could not make through the warm up, and I had just run a marathon like three weeks before too. And I couldn't make it through the warm up. Um, our goal initially was just, okay, we're going to do two classes a week. We're going to, you know, just ease into it. And we absolutely, both of us fell in love with it. Throughout the summer, we started joining in with the grappling classes and then some of the extra strength and conditioning that they would do on Saturdays with the other fighters. And then towards the end of the summer, my now coach was like, I think you should fight. I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. (laughs) Um, My friend ended up going, you know, back down South to uh, Tennessee for school and my coach kind of thought, you know, maybe she'll stop when her friend stops. But I was like, nah, you're stuck with me now. So I uh, started with that. I uh, was doing strictly just our uh, kickboxing, striking classes and grappling jujitsu classes. Um, by the winter of that year, I actually added in our traditional martial arts. So end up uh, doing uh, it's like a hybrid system of taekwondo from there and adding, you know, that piece into into the repertoire and then I would say for the first honestly the first like two years or so I wasn't in my head I was serious but I wasn't really I didn't understand how serious I needed to be to fight which it worked out got through college the 
following summer after I graduated from college was when I had my first fight. And uh, that was August of 2017. So it's been three years um, that I've been actually actively fighting, competing and, and going on from there. So now I hold a, uh, I'm a first degree black belt in Taekwondo. I have my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu blue belt. And then I'm also a trainer in Muay Thai, which is uh, Thai kickboxing. Holy crap. That basically means you can really hurt some people if you need to. And I, I've seen some photos and some vids, of course, of some of your old fights. And every picture I see of you fighting has you on the ground and your opponents either airborne, horizontal or something. To think back on the beginning, were you ever at a point where you were like, eh, maybe it's not my activity? No, this was, so this is the weird thing. I remember in high school, uh, like track or cross country that, you know, Think, think about why you want to run, why you want to race, why you want to do this. And I could never really come up with an answer. Like, I was like, well, I like running. My friends do it. And, yeah. But when I started with even just our kickboxing and our striking classes, I'm like, this just, it just clicks. Like, I just immediately from the start, I'm like, I really like this. Mm. And you can ask, you know, anyone that knew me in high school or probably doesn't even remember me in high school. I was the super, super quiet kid didn't say anything i hate using the word shy i just didn't have anything to say sure but those are the ones you got to look out for though right and that's why i told i actually uh when i graduated from college i was actually doing a long-term substitute job at my old high school and even my teachers are like you do what <laughs> and, uh, i was like yeah i'm like do i tell my students i end up not because just the group that i had was a little little crazy um but yeah it just clicked. It was one of those things. It just, it just clicked. I don't know how to describe it any other way, but I love it. And I can't think of life without it. So, you know, during this pandemic, I'm like, this is just weird. So with the pro debut coming up, what's that mean to you? Like all the work you've put in years and years of training that no one sees because people, you know, they, they see when the lights come on, right? When you're Jason Aldean, they see you when you're selling out bb&t pavilion or madison square garden well but they don't see are the hours that go into being the superstar so for you on this level like all the work you've been in like what's that mean how's that feel to be like hey i'm gonna be a professional doing this now it's weird because while the title changes i don't think the work ethic behind it changes like i've always thought of myself even as fighting amateur i'm still professional i'm gonna get my medicals done on time i'm going to make sure i make weight for my fights you know, because all of those things lead up to making good discipline that when you do get to say, hey, I'm going to start applying for my pro license, I've got that work ethic and the discipline behind it. And I've always wanted to train as a professional from the start. So there's hours and hours and hours that go into training a week, either from skill to strength and conditioning to, you know, the, the little things like just stretching and mobility, where I don't have to make some drastic change from the amateur level to the professional level. Like I've already had that ingrained in me. So it's more, I get to show things at a slightly different rule set and timing because that's the, that's the big thing between amateur and pro is the length of the rounds as well as some of the techniques that you're allowed to use. Um, again, all depends on the States, but I get to now really show everything in its full capacity. It takes off some of the pressure, but I know as soon as, you know, I sign a contract somewhere, the, I'm going to make sure I, I layer that pressure on and 
put my head down and, and, you know, grind it out, you know, making sure I'm never outworked. That's, that's my thing. I never want to be outworked in a fight. I want to be the one always outworking them. Is it more nerves or excitement at this point? Excitement. Yeah. Ner- nerves to me, nerves mean that I didn't prepare. Mm. If I'm prepared and I did everything I was supposed to do, I just got to go out and I just, you know, go have fun. That's the thing. It's, it's to me, this is about having fun. I didn't choose this because I was forced into it or anything. I chose it because I enjoy it and I love it and it's fun for me. So it's, it's always excitement. Like there's always butterflies, but they're, they're good butterflies. Like, all right, it's time to go. Like, you know, we're making the walk out, you know, you're in the cage. It's go time. Yeah. I've always heard that if you're not a little bit nervous, that means it's not for you. No matter how high of a level you go to, like before the Super Bowl, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes was like, holy crap, like. This is the Super Bowl. And that's like, if you don't have that little bit of adrenaline, no matter what you're doing, whether it's like, I don't know, if you're a CPA and it's tax season or you're a, an MMA fighter or a professional football quarterback, I feel like there's, there should always be like a 1% of you that's like, holy crap, this is real. Because I think that, I don't know, innately, I think is what pushes a lot of people to go a little bit further than they had even anticipated. That fear of something or that anticipation of what's going to happen. I don't know when that's gone. It's like, well, what are you what are you doing? Why are you there in the first place? You know? Yeah. The, the adrenaline. Trust me, the adrenaline is always there that I think each fight, it's a little bit different. I kind of know what to expect to a certain extent. I mean, the first fight, I was just I was so hyped up. My coach was when we were getting ready to go out, and we were warming up. He goes, calm down a little bit. Like, I don't want you to, you know, wasting your energy before you go out. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I'm like pacing back and forth. I was so ready because it had taken so long to get there with so many fights just not happening to get to that point. So at that, you know, for that one, I was so ready for it. The next couple, like, it's, it's just all a little bit different. You know, the venues are different. The promoters are a little bit different. So it just, it changes up those slight pieces in the routine. You try to keep everything as, you know, routine and as possible as you get ready. So you stay calm to a certain extent, but the adrenaline's always there. It's a little bit different each time, but. What else is different is your nickname, because personally, I love the giraffe as a nickname. I think it's unique. I think it, it speaks to probably you as a fighter, but Typically, MMA fighter nicknames, it's like the Iceman or Sugar This, the Punisher. But to be the giraffe as an MMA fighter, how'd you come up with your nickname? Was it given to you? Did you come up with it on your own? Like, what's the history behind the giraffe? So the story behind the giraffe goes back to my friend Heather Hamrick. Shout out to Ben and Heather Hamrick, Strong Tower Nutrition Athletics. Uh, We were... uh, we were in a jujitsu class and I think we were drilling, we we're drilling knee bars. So it's a, a joint lock on your knee. Um, and give some context. I'm five, eight. My friend Heather is not even five foot. So oh, a, I, I, my legs are very long compared to hers. Would you, you get her in the face or something? She caught one of the chin, didn't she? No, she was, she was trying to drill the submission. She's like, I just can't do it. You have these, these giraffe legs. <laughs> And we started laughing and my coach liked it. He was like, yeah, he's like, you know, you're awkward, like a little baby giraffe. Like when they first get up and they're trying to walk around, because anytime I start something new, like I'm just, I'm an awkward person, but I've learned to, to embrace it. So my, my favorite hashtag now is just hashtag tall and awkward. And it, <laughs> it's a lot to, you know, me as a fighter and me as just a person. Cause I, you know, I'm, you know, one in the same, I'm not completely a different person, but in or outside the cage. But yeah, so Heather gave me that nickname because my nice long giraffe legs compared to her little short 
T-Rex like self. I was really good there because I call her T-Rex because she got little arms on that. So yeah, oh, shoot. in the draft, it's it and it's 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 one of those things where it's like draft MMA. What is that? So I've gotten some people like like it's one of the things that everyone's asked me like mm, the giraffe. Like that's I, giraffes don't fight. I'm like they do. Yeah, but they do though. They're five eight and they can get you right now. Let's see. Back. I'm trying to remember. 2018. Uh, yeah, September 2018. I had LASIK eye surgery done, and I went to Doctor Lavenberg. Shout out to Lavenberg in in Newark. But um, it changed my life. My vision was a 2200 at the time. I was extremely nearsighted. It literally changed my life. Like sat up out of the chair, saw across the room, bawled my eyes out, and it. I don't know. It's like a before and after moment in your life in a way. When I was looking up you and your information, I learned that you also had an eye surgery and had some eye complications that had kind of interfered with your fight schedule and your career. So how was it for you? What did you get done? And like, how are you doing now with all that? So back before the pandemic, I had we planned on at least like one more amateur fight once that had just completely wiped out everything. Um, we're like, okay, we're, we're not going to waste time. We're going to just go ahead and prep for pro debut at this point. I was actually listening to a, it was a biography book um, for another MMA fighter that I was listening to. And they were talking about, you know, different eye stuff and things that he had gone through. I'm like, that's interesting. Like I knew professional fighters had to go through some extra medicals, but I didn't necessarily know what, cause I had never looked at them at that time. So I ended up looking up what the, pro, you know, the professional eye requirements were. And the minimum eye requirement, uncorrected, you know, no contacts, no glasses, is twenty two hundred. Mm. So you have tw- you had twenty two hundred. I was yeah. at the twenty four hundred range. No, I, what? I couldn't read the big E on the eye chart. Oh my gosh! So at the amateur level, they don't ask you anything about your eyes. Yeah, they allow you to wear contacts. They just. I've always fought my contacts. Actually, in my <laughs> my first fight, uh, I think it was the second round. I saw my right contact pop out and you know go in front of me i was like oh sh- don't another one <laughs> um, and then in my third fight i lost the left one i'm, I'm right eye dominant so i never noticed we were walking out of the venue and i'm like squinty i'm like why is it all blurry and i realized and i you know touched my eye i was like oh i don't have my contact in so I, I was always allowed to fight with my contacts it was a little bit of a shock when i was like okay so i i'm very far from meeting minimum eye requirements because even though if my contacts got me to those requirements, you have to be uncorrected. And in some states, they don't allow you to fight with contacts in. So I started um, looking into some different eye doctors and things like that and looking, you know, it's your eyes. You don't want to, you know, go to just anyone. You want to go with someone that you're comfortable with. Yeah. So I end up going with uh, Dr. S. Gregory Smith at Delaware Eye Surgeons. Um, so they got me scheduled for the very end of uh beginning of june at that point when they allowed it and in the meantime i had at least three different promotions reach out to me asking if i wanted to fight in august and like of course when i'm unable to fight i get reached out to by all these different people asking for fights isn't it always how it goes it is it's either dates that just don't work with for whatever reason or i you know just gotta fight or something i'm like can we can we we get on the same page (laughs) no (laughs) So I had the procedure done August 26th, and with fighting, I couldn't actually get LASIK. So LASIK is completely off the table for me because LASIK creates a fold. Mm. So there's a couple of acceptable surgeries, and I went through, I think, 38 
of the state athletic commissions or whoever governs the, you know, MMA or boxing, looking up everyone's rules to make sure that the surgery that I wanted, the procedure that I wanted to get was the correct one. Because if I got right. sick, then I just spent all this money and yeah, I might have good vision, but I won't be able to fight. Yeah. So I ended up uh, going with, it's a form of PRK, which instead of folding the cornea, they actually, the epithelial layer, I think it's called, they remove that. The version that I got um, is a little bit different where they like cut it off um, versus using like an alcohol and like scrubbing it. Uh, mm-hmm. What it helps do, it helps stimulate the, uh, the healing process. So you have a faster healing period. Um, and then from there, they use the laser. They, you know, shave the cornea, get it, you know, to where it's going. And I remember the surgery, um, which was so weird because you're awake and they cut. Dude, the that, that's the part that it, it's so hard to explain for people, because when you go in for like even like a heart surgery or any other procedure, you're out for that. But to, that's the part. It's so hard to explain how freaky it is to think like they're cutting my eye right now. They're shooting a laser in there. It's so weird. And, and I'm one of those people who like I look up the surgery and watch the surgery on YouTube a couple of different like places because I want to know exactly what was going on. So I'm like watching YouTube videos. And so I'm seeing this, you know, basically watching it being done to my eye. I'm like, okay, so I'm in, you know, this stage, I'm in that stage. The weird thing with like, I've never been claustrophobic, but because I had to wear a mask, plus they cover up one eye at a time. I was like, oh, this is weird. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I've never like been so like, so tense in my life. And I had the sweetest nurse and she's patting my hand. She goes, if he makes you cry, I'll kick his butt. I'm like, but no, it was. It went. You get these hands. You get these hands. He messed this up now. No, it was. It was. It went so smooth and super, super quick. Like I think from the time they took me back to their surgery center to the time I left was like 30 minutes. It was nuts. And I just remember, you know, when they you know finally sit you back up, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I honestly didn't expect to see so clearly right after. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I'd be better but like you know blurry and i'm like holy shit, i can see and the doctor goes well yeah that's the point <laughs> you paid for it didn't you and i was like did you cry to be honest did you cry no i didn't i was just like i can see and i don't have contacts and i was so proud of myself <laughs> so, uh, yeah so we went we went through all that and uh actually within a week my right eye was already 2025 holy crap and they were like that's nuts. Like we normally don't get it. Like my left eye, I would think was like 2060, which is like normal. And uh, they're like, we don't, you know, we don't normally see that, but we're not going to question it. Like that's, that's really good. So went in for, you know, for the couple of follow-up checkups and you doing all the drops and stuff. And uh, so Monday, September 28th was actually the, I guess it was five weeks post-surgery, almost six weeks post-surgery at that point. And uh, that was, you know, just to check up on everything and by that point, the right eye was 2020, which he didn't think that based off like the shape of my eye and stuff, he's like, I can get you good. I'm not sure if I'm gonna get you perfect. So like mm-hmm. 2020, like blew him out of the water. Left eye was still like 2030, but he goes, it's it's gonna keep, you know, gradually getting better. But he's like, at this point, he goes, if your eye gets scratched, it's no different than anyone else's eye getting scratched. If you get poked in the eye, you know, whatever. I'm like, so am I cleared for contact? Like small he's like yeah he goes you know it's you're like everyone else now i'm like oh my gosh you just made my day so i'm texting everyone I'm like we're sparring tonight we're we're gonna you know, bring your headgear bring your shin gear you know we're gonna yeah everyone's at home with the doritos and you know their snacks and you're like no like it's time to go like your girl's ready to get at it so uh so yeah so we sparred that night and it was like first hit my coach was like you okay 
I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, we don't need to worry about impact. Like it's, that's not like, that's why I got this version of the procedure done because yeah. it doesn't create any folds. Like it's just like everything else. So yeah. So I'm like, all right, time to go. Who wants me? <laughs> hey, that's legit, man. You know, for you and your career, that's gotta be like one less thing for you to worry about going into a- an event or fight. My eyes are good. I don't have to worry about putting contacts in or losing one mid fight or whatever. And one thing that I guess now more than in any other time in my life, I, I've been thinking about how even when it comes to female professional athletes, right, when the WNBA finals kick off and all these guys are always coming at these ladies and they're like, man, if you put me in the WNBA and I play power forward, like I'd be able to kill these ladies. They're professionals who play basketball all the time. And these guys are obviously like, I don't know, skewed because they think just because they're ladies, they're not as good as a guy could ever be or whatever. And obviously there's like, Slight athleticism differences and all that. But for you in your field, as an MMA fighter, how often do you have guys come up to you and be like, hey, like, psh, I can take you down. Like, you know, it's nothing. You're just a girl. Like, oh, it's nothing. It's never been anything like so explicit like that. Like, I could take you. It's always guys are a little bit more like covert with it. Like, you'll get like, guys mm. that are like, oh, like joking. Like, you could beat me up. Um, you get that a lot. Or, oh, don't beat me up, you know, because they know that I'm a fighter. Um but there's, you know, never in my gym, um, I've never experienced it, but like in other gyms when I've cross-trained, it's, you know, don't do this submission because they're, you know, they're a girl or, you know, I'm like, I've been doing jujitsu longer than them. Like I've had experiences where like I went to um, sparring at another gym and it was all guys. I was the only girl there. I showed up. Uh-huh. I want to get some work in. It was like I had cooties and every guy like picked someone. And there was one guy that actually worked with me. He's a uh, He's a professional fighter and he was actually probably one of the nicest guys there. And he's like, yeah, hey, come on, let's work. I was like, thank you. One, I'm just as capable as the rest of you. I'm like, some of you guys, I'm bigger than you. So it's like, <laughs> so long as I'm not like fighting, a, you know, some heavyweight guy that outweighs me a hundred pounds. I'm like, I can work with you. Like, and I've sparred with guys who are 200 plus pounds. It's like, it's no different than that guy sparring a, a guy, at, you know, 150 pounds or 145 pounds. It's all, you know, it's all the same. So it's like, yeah, I've dealt with with some of that. Never like overtly like, oh, you're a girl. But it's, oh, it's always been a little bit more like you got to read, read between the lines sort of a thing. So it's like I've experienced it, but it takes a lot to make me mad or to really offend me. So it's like, whatever. I'm like, I'm here to work just like the rest of you. And at my gym, it's the culture of it. We create a very family-like culture. So we don't have that issue here. And if we ever had that issue, I know my coach would step in without hesitation. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. So for you, as someone who has a hard time, like, getting riled up and getting angry, like, it's hard to kind of get under your skin, how do you get ready for fights? Because even when I go to the gym and I, I do my little workout and I go home, like, I I do everything better when I'm, like, a little bit angry. And I don't know if that's just a psychological thing. It's probably something majorly wrong with me or something that happened when I was, like, 15 that I'm unaware of or whatever. But I always have to put the angriest music on. I have to, to put myself in a place. It's kind of dark to be able to, like, do my best. So for you... How do you kind of get ready for fights if it's not pure, like, anger, I'm going to hurt this person level? What is it for you that gets you going? So one of the things that my coach is very adamant on is fighting's emotionless. You know, you're not mad, but you're also not happy. You're just a nice, even line. And that translates extremely well to when you fight because sometimes things don't work your way and you don't want to get frustrated about it. Or if things are going your way, you don't want to get overly excited and then put yourself in a bad spot. We've always worked. It's emotionless. You're not happy. You're not sad. You're not mad. You're not frustrated. It's 
You're going in there with a plan and you're going to execute that plan. There's a lot of tactics and game planning that goes behind fighting. Um, and I'm very lucky to have a coach that understands that mindset. So we always practice that way. And then when you get in there, it's there's a switch. There's a switch from normal sparring pace and, you know, sparring speed and strength to, all right, this is, this is a fight. Like I'm going out to hurt her. And that's the mindset. Like I go out, like, yeah, I'm trying to hurt you, but I'm not mad about it, but I'm not happy about it. It's, it's hard to explain, but it's just- Yeah, because so often, like, we've seen the pro fights where two guys or two ladies go at it, and then afterwards, they're like, you know, they're shaking hands and they're hugging each other. And for the outside people like myself, I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how do you go from, like, beating this person's face in to, like, giving them dap afterwards? But, I mean, it's normal, and it's what you've kind of grown up with and work towards. So I guess that's kind of just what you do, right? Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things that you really, you have to train it into you, and you have to train it in, like, even sparring, like there's certain things that, you know, we're working on and it's, you don't want to train yourself to be like, oh my gosh, I hurt my sparring partner. And, you know, or you think you hurt them. So you back off because you'll do that in a fight too. Like, like a shark, you smell blood in the water you need to go after it and mm. train that mentality. Obviously you're not trying to kill your training partners because then you don't have any training partners. <laughs> when to make that, that switch and when to make that, you know, flip that switch and go in there and it's, it's it's time to go. It's, you know, you're neither my friend nor my foe at the, you know, across the cage. It's just, I'm going to try to hurt you as much as I possibly can while you're trying to hurt me as much as you possibly can. And at the end of the day, we're going to shake hands and one of us is going to get our arm raised. Dude, that's sick. So what's on your pre-fight playlist? Is there like a certain song that you have? Because like, again, for me, I'm a timing guy. I've always been a fan of music, but like, if I know I'm about to do my, my bench max, or if I'm going to really like push myself in cardio or whatever it may be, there's a certain song that I go to. It's always Black Skinhead by Kanye, or I go to Till I Collapse by Eminem. Uh, there's a couple Brantley Gilbert songs I go to. It's about to get dirty is one of them. So what is on your pre-fight playlist? And is there one that specifically says like, all right, I'm about to go in here and I'm going to hurt somebody. It, I, so... My normal sparring playlist is basically the same thing as my fight playlist, and it's got everything. I have country music, I have rap music, I have like super heavy metal, let me scream kind of music to, you know, some classic rock. Like I, I put everything. I just, you know, whatever I end up finding, I'm like, yeah, I like this. It has like a good rhythm or something. Um, now my actual fight playlist, I have a little extra special, um, a couple pieces on there. My boss shout out Eric friend. Um, he, he was in the Navy and he did different speeches and stuff to his, his unit. Um, so he's taken some of those past speeches and created some fantastic hype speeches for me. Yo, I need these. I need these. If you go on my Facebook, they are on Facebook. They're on a, there's a couple of YouTube links and he has a very particular order. So I, I do listen to them, you know, from the first one, second, third, fourth, because um, they all kind of feed into each other and they each have a theme and he does a video with them as well. Um, I usually I'll take them and turn them into an MP3 for fight day, but I listen to those and I'll listen to them from usually he'll usually post, give them, give it to me at like weigh-ins or like first thing in the morning. And I just throughout the day, I'll listen to music. I'll listen to hype speech, listen to some music, listen to and it just it helps dial me in, you know, where music will get you kind of like a little too excited. Sometimes that just, it, it helps get the mindset and they're, they're super intense and they just, they've always helped me dial in. 
they're the extra special piece that I put onto that playlist. And it means a lot that he does that. And he, I, I know when he's like created one, cause he'll come into work and he'll be a little extra horse. <laughs> you know, he'll show me some of the bloopers um either before or after he'll give me the theme like the week of so i can kind of think about it so they're they're really special because they mean something to me and they also help get me dialed in um and then as far as like the actual music part my walkout song is shell shocked which is from the newer teenage mutant ninja turtle movie uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. that's that's been my walkout song since fight number two um that one's always been again i come from a family gym so it's like i always have my kids you know my my karate kids they come to my fights they've traveled down to to northern virginia to watch me fight and in my last fight i actually heard them because they were able to get so close to the cage and go miss becca so it's like oh man see you you don't even need any music after that you don't need speeches if you got your kids there and your students cheering you on from a couple feet away that's got to be incredible yeah and so it's like that song is like it's an appropriate song. It's some venues that, you know, their promotions will tell you like, hey, like I need a clean version or whatever. Uh-huh. But, you know, my first fight, I didn't have that song yet in my mind. I had another song by Hollywood Undead. Again, I go all over the place with music. Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you when it comes to hype music. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And, and that first fight, that's what I needed. But, you know, second fight going forward, I'm like, that's my song. And it just, the last fight, especially like, I'm like, there's a certain point where I start to walk out to the song as it gets, you know, going. And it just it just hits me when I rarely listen to it um, outside of like fight times. Mm-hmm. But then it's like it's there um, when I'm ready to fight and I don't listen to it as like part of my pre-fight playlist. I leave it off. So then once they start playing my music and I can walk out to it, I'm like, all right, it's go time. Yeah, that's what's up, man. And when you're in the, the ring or the octagon, I should say, and you might be able to hear certain things from the outside, whether it's your kids or folks who are just attending and, and watching the fight. Is it hard for other people and other things to kind of knock you out of that zone? Like, do you do you hear any of that stuff? Is it kind of white noise to you? Like, to you specifically, what does the zone feel like? Um, It gets so when it's like, are you ready to fight? Are you ready to fight? Go. It's real quiet until you get like that first hit or you make that first contact. And then it's like, oh, OK, we're fighting now. Um, it, it's like that weird, like surreal, like, oh, okay, we're, we're really going to go out and try to kill each other. You know, when you're in the zone and you're like in a really good flow, you're not worrying about the time. You're not worrying about other things. But the one thing I do hear nice and clear is my coach. And mm. like, he doesn't yell. He doesn't have to yell. It's just calm talking. It's the same thing that we practice in sparring. And it's like, he doesn't overly coach or, you know, get overly excited or anything like that. But I always hear him. And it was funny because my last fight, my other, my main sparring partner, my other cornerman, Larry, he yelled out, um, you know, long strikes, long strikes. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, and I, you know, I, I followed through with it. And I remember talking to my coach after. I was like, did you know Larry, like, called out instructions in the fight? He goes, yeah, he normally does. I was like, oh, I normally don't hear him. I'm like, I'm. <laughs> so it was, it was, you know, not weird hearing both voices because I'm so used to it, the coaching and sparring and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, those are the voices I care about, you know. You do hear, like, a little bit, like, kind of in, like, the back of your head. Um, you know, if you're in the other opponent's corner, like, I spent most of that fight away from my corner. And so, like, I could hear them giving her instructions. But, sh- like, I, it didn't, like, it registered with me, but I didn't need them. So I was able to kind of, like, kind of throw them off. 
yeah. she wasn't really listening to them either. Um, so it's like I kind of like, like if you're yelling at church students, I feel like I'm going to kind of hear it as well. So if you tell her to do something, like I can then go and you know counter that. So it's like I hear my coach, and that's that's the important thing. Is I hear my coach, and that that focus, and that's what you want. Like if I'm worried about the time or what other people are saying, that means I'm not focused on the job that I'm supposed to be doing. So again, it's one of the things that we we really simulate a lot of that stuff in our practice. And we've always, we always talk about you practice how you want to perform. I want to make sure I'm always in the zone. I'm in, you know, the, that flow state where you're just, you're going, not yeah. being tired or, you know, that all that stuff can, can wait later. I would imagine it's so hard to explain to people who've never done what you do or to someone who's never been on any kind of athletic field where that flow, that zone, it's like, you're not even really, thinking you're more so just kind of feeling the room and reacting to it in a way and I feel like even when it comes to the opponent's coaches call outs and things like that I feel like if you were to focus too much on that it would almost be too much going on in your head to kind of occupy a certain part of your brain and I don't know to kind of compartmentalize I would imagine just feel things and just kind of just go which I think is pretty sweet before I let you go I want to play one quick game with you because when you're on social media and you've got everyone having their greatest of all time arguments here or there, if you're on Twitter or this and things, I want to go specifically to a fighter and you're going to tell me who you got in these celebrity fights. Are you ready? Now we're talking prime peak athleticism of these people, not current day. I got four for you. Number one, and my friends and I had a long, hard fight about this one. Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Stone Cold Steve Austin in an actual MMA fight? Who you got? I'm going to go with The Rock. I like his mentality. Okay. I feel like he's got that okay. quit mentality. I think he's a little bit bigger, too. And I think... My, my friend tried to tell me Stone Cold was soft, though. And that's where I had to step in and be like, look, Stone Cold, he might have been an actor a little bit, but dude's still a boss. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I'm still going with The Rock. I think the mentality... He's a little bigger, got the reach. Football player, all that. All right, next one, next one. Conor McGregor versus Bruce Lee. Ooh, Bruce Lee. Tell me why. I'm not a huge Conor fan, and, you know, y'all can hate me, but I don't care. I, I just, Same, same for the record. I just, I mean, he's good and he's quick, but I don't know. There, you know, Bruce Lee was something special. I think way more special than Conor McGregor. Bruce Lee fight IQ way higher, probably way higher than 99% of fighters out there. Yeah. And I would say as a non-fighter in another 50 to a hundred years, I doubt many people are still going to be talking about Conor McGregor. Whereas with Bruce Lee, I feel like even like a hundred years from now, everyone's still going to be studying Bruce Lee. So I would, I think I would agree with that. And he, I, I like the quieter people versus the talking. Like I know the talking's all for show, but it's just not my style. So I, I, I have a hard time leaning towards that. I would agree with that. Number three, Jet Lee versus Jackie Chan. Ooh. Oh, I stumped um, her. I stumped her. You know yes. I'm going to go Jackie Chan because he, Okay. I know for a fact he did a lot of his own stunts. So I'm going, I'm going Jackie Chan. You know what messes me up? I might have to agree with that, but what messes me up about Jackie Chan were the Rush Hour movies. They always messed me up in regards to him because he was, he's laughing, he's joking, and he's like with Chris Tucker. So like since then, I've never been able to take him seriously. So I almost have to like compartmentalize like, okay, that's 
that's funny, Jackie, but real Jackie could really kick some butt. Like, I, I, I have a hard time separating the two. All right, last one. This one was tough. Brock Lesnar versus Mike Tyson. Oh, you got to do me like that. Uh, that's so hard. That's so striker versus wrestler. I'm going to go Tyson. I love Tyson. I like Tyson more than, than Brock. I just... If, if you've ever read any of Mike Tyson's bi- autobiographies, they are absolutely fantastic. So I'm going Tyson. The way he can still move, like I'm super excited for when he, whenever that boxing match comes up. Bro, he can still like move, move. Yeah. I mean, like I know Brock, like he's a fantastic wrestler and the man's built like an ox, but I think he'd have a hard time catching Tyson. If Tyson, if Tyson could grapple as good as he could, could, can, can box, I got Tyson. Got Tyson all the time. So I might have to disagree with you on this one. Brock Lesnar's gigantic. And I know Mike Tyson was gigantic also, but like, correct me if I'm wrong. Wouldn't Brock just take Tyson and just pin him to the ground and just ground and pound him and it would just be a wrap from there? Because Tyson, he's a boxer, right? That's what I was saying. I'm like, Tyson moves very well. So I think he would have a hard time actually being able to shoot and, you know, get his arms around his legs. Because Tyson has that very, he has that peekaboo style. Like he's very, he's here and then he's there. Yeah. I think if, if it came down to it, I think he'd outmove him until Lesnar got tired, and then he'd come up with one of those uppercuts and knock him out. All right, last question I have for you before I let you go. I just thought of this. But let's say you're out somewhere in an adult establishment, and it's 11.45 at night, and you've been encountered by someone who is just belligerent, and they're trying to just start a brawl in the middle of this bar, right? Name one person who you'd want on your side in the event of a bar fight out of every human being that's ever existed. You need one person to be your partner in, a, in an all-out brawl in the middle of some altercation. Who you got? So not to be a suck-up, and I know I'm going to get teased for this later, but my coach. Mm. Talk to me. Why? Well, for one, he does training with uh, the Military Seal of Command, so that's a division of the, it's the Merchant Division of the Navy. So he's a military contractor. He is belted in Kali, which is uh, where you get knife fighting from. So he's very well versed with knife fighting. And oh, he's been doing martial arts since he was three years old. And he's also has plenty of different security detail work that he's done in the past. So I'd rather, <laughs> I would feel most comfortable with him. I know he's I like that. Later, but he always claims I never give him a shout out. So Sean Riley, here's your shout out. Yay, huge shout out. And shout out to uh, Delaware Dragon MMA. I mean, you guys, to know that you're, you're still coaching kids who are younger and they look up to you and you're Miss Becca to them and to everyone else you're the giraffe who's going to pummel my face in as a fan of yours and someone who has kind of followed as much as I can with your career throughout the years I don't know I like getting into the mind of athletes specifically and to know that you're as great of a person as you are a fighter I think is awesome so thank you for joining me yeah thank you thank you so much I was so excited to come on when when you messaged me on uh on social media I was like oh my gosh I get to talk to Blair (laughs) <laughs> I've listened to many, many mornings, very early in the morning. Um, so I was super excited to to be on. And thank you for having me and you know, let me tell a little bit of, of my story. Hey, my pleasure, man. I'm going to need your playlists. I'm going to need some merch. I'm going to need some tickets. I will do everything I can in my power to show up to at least one of your fights over the course of my life. I promise you that I will try as much as I humanly can. Hey, shameless plug. Uh, I do have a whole merch store. Uh, it's at 
uh, one of my sponsors, MMA Tea Company. It's uh, MMATTEEco.com, and you can get one of these cool giraffe MMA tank tops. We do sweatshirts. We got stickers. There are stickers with me with my grumpy face. <laughs> um, shout out to them as well because they're uh, they've got everything on there, and uh, I'm re- I'm really hoping that I could fight locally. So I'm hoping I can make that happen and do at least something with the, the hometown crowd behind me. That's dope, man. And where can people follow you specifically on socials also? So on social media, I am at giraffe underscore MMA on Instagram as well as Twitter. I'm not super active on my Twitter, but I do occasionally, you know, post stuff on there. But Instagram is where it's at. You get to see, you know, some training stuff. You get to see my cute puppy all the time with her little tongue sticking out. So you want to see puppies and punching, follow giraffe underscore MMA. 